podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a match preview for Villa's trip to Turf Moor to play Burnley on Saturday. This show is sponsored by Luke Roper. If you use the code TVV20, you will get 20% off everything they have to offer, including sale items that are already discounted. So take a look on their website and treat yourself coming up to the weekend. I'm joined by Neil to look ahead to the game. Haven't played Burnley. Yet this season now, which is quite a weird thing to be saying in May, obviously playing them twice in short succession due to a COVID cancellation earlier on in the season. This one is not the COVID cancellation going to turf more. But as usual, when Villa are playing a team, Burnley have found some form. Yeah, banging for him, Burnley, best thing they ever did. Like, mm. I was very critical of them for, for second Sean Dyche, and they, they, they just go away and win three on the trot. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, crazy. I mean, Mike Jackson. I've got to be honest; I'd never really heard of him before he before he took charge of Burnley. But he's he's allowed them to play a little bit more expansively at times, which has helped some of their more talented players. I mean, Dwight McNeil last week against Watford was very, very good. I think he'd had a bit of a an off season really for his standards. He's he'd created high standards for himself over the last few years, but he's come very much to the, to the fore again. Ashley Barnes actually is a player I've always liked. He looked quite quite dangerous when he when he was involved last weekend as well. He's been injured for much of the season. They've got Veghorst, they've got Cornet potentially coming back, I think, for this one. I'm not sure if he'll be mm. fit or not, but Villa have had some tricky times against Burnley in, in, in recent seasons. I mean, if you remember that game last, last season when we lost 3-2, probably actually one of our best displays of the season, but we somehow contrived to lose 3-2. This is a very tough game. Yeah, on paper, I think it is, uh, but I still expect Aston Villa to win. Um, yeah. I think we are. Yeah, I think we. I expect Aston Villa to win. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, maybe they don't play Luka Dina two weeks in a row, but I'm looking forward to the, the to the Titanic battle of Aaron Lennon versus Ashley Young and the battle of 19 whatever. Nah, Luka Dina, Luka Dina will play. Surely, Luka Dina will play. <laughs> He'll play. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe he will. Well, he was Lazarus like at the weekend. All yeah. of a sudden, it, like five minutes into the game, I was looking for Ashley Young. I went, "That's Luka Dean. because I hadn't, I, I had seen the 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 team sheet, but obviously Tim just took. Took all my attention away, and so, uh, Neil, not not great. Uh, Don't you do a, a pre-match show based around the team selection, and then you're telling me that you didn't notice that someone was playing? I was in the ground heavily. Drunk. Oh yes, so yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes you were there, weren't you? I forgive you. I apologise. <laughs> I was going to say, but, not, but not but, very observant now. <laughs> but it's, I suppose, what what I think about this game is this is definitely going to be a styles make fights game. Um, I think we uh, like against a team like Burnley who pretty much just don't want possession. We're a better team when we don't have possession. So I think there could be a lot of maybe, you know, there could be a lot of trying to force chances in this one uh, when we get, when, when Burnley get chances. And I just think we've got a better team to be really honest with you. I know Burnley are fighting for their lives and stuff and I'm not being cocky about it, but you know, we have a better team and I know we're still saying it, but you know, we need to click at some stage. And I think we showed we showed glimpses of doing it against Norwich with our 21 shots, seven block shots and, you know, worked the ball in very well. And, you know, an area that we said wasn't working is now beginning to come to the fore when Ings came on. Obviously, Ings and Watkins came together. So I think if we're like, while we don't have much to play for at the end of the season because we can't, 
well, we can mathematically get relegated. But oh, I still think that, I still think we're in play a little bit, just a touch. I still think that, I'm not 100 percent certain that we, that we won't get dragged into just because there seems to be crazy results all the time down the bottom. Everton pulled wins when you don't expect them to. Burnley have won three in a row. You'd think that's probably not sustainable, but then you do think they're playing Aston Villa Football Club on Saturday, so perhaps it is sustainable. I still think that it's not. It's not beyond the realms of possibility, especially when you look at we've got Man City on the last day of the season. Yeah, but like... It, it, I'm not for yeah, one minute saying that yeah, Villa in a relegation. Right? I know, I'm not I know, saying I, that, but there's I, something I in the back of my Nettig mind. Well. There's there something in there. Was, uh, there was times I was agreeing, but I was kind of going, the sequence of events is no, like... What are we? We're, we're, we we must be 500 to 1,000 to 1 go down with the bookies at the moment. Like, if I was a Leeds fan, I'd be pretty... Uh, yeah, Leeds are in Leeds are in the mire. I did a podcast for The Athletic yeah. with all the relegation threatened teams and Leeds are the ones I worry for. They're in... I'm not that I care, but I'm, I'm concerned for them. I think they, that they might get dragged. Well, they're already in it. I think they're in a lot more trouble than they looked maybe a week to 10 days ago. Mm. Like, of all the three teams there at the bottom, I'd like Leeds to stay up. I'd like Everton to stay up. But um, I also want Burnley to stay up. But oh, if I had to yeah. choose, if I if I was if the league was scrapped now and they came and said Neil, we, we have to relegate somebody quick, I would probably say relegate Burnley because just because because I I just I prefer the other two teams. Um, but there is going to be a good team, and there is going to be a team that's been uh, either well supported within the within the Premier League or been a mainstay of the Premier League for quite a while with regards to Burnley and and, and Everton that are going to go down, and and, and there's going to be a new landscape with. Uh, you know, with Bournemouth coming back up, Fulham coming back up. Yes, they've been in the Premier League, but that that uh, that that playoff race is really really exciting in the Championship, and uh, it's it's you know it's it's it, it 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 really is telling, I suppose, the last twenty years in the Premier League, whereby you've had teams like Newcastle, West Ham, Aston Villa, Everton all get relegated, and uh, well, sorry, Everton no, potentially get relegated could, yeah. if they do get relegated. You know, it just goes to show that nobody's place is, is, is given in the Premier League and, and you have to continually improve year over year. Yeah, let's let's look back to last week a little bit then because there was a bit of, well, I thought it was a bit unfair. A lot of people were criticising the display against Norwich on Saturday, but I would say that games against bottom of the league sides, they never really go the way that you would anticipate. You never walk the floor with them really, generally. They're quite cagey affairs and you might win 1-0, you might win 2-0 and that's what Villa did. But I just looked back to the game a few months ago against Watford where I walked away from Villa Park feeling very low when we'd lost 1-0 and just think, yeah, that, you know, we beat them 2-0. I'm happy with that. It wasn't a vintage display by any stretch of the imagination, but it's two clean sheets in a row. I think Danny Ings came on and completely changed the game. I think we'd have been in for a bit of a buoy had Danny Ings not come on and created that goal for, for Watkins. Great work from Watkins as well. And you're starting to see now that those two potentially can work in tandem. There's, there's the shoots of the recovery there for that strike partnership. But I just don't think it's fair to not be criticising when, you, when you've won the game. Because like I say, those games are never as easy as they look on paper. And, and it was funny because... I was outside the ground and I was talking to people and they were going, yeah, it was a bit abject, wasn't it? And I was there. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed looking and seeing the lines were, were perfect. I thought our structure was very good. I thought we um, we experimented a bit with still starting Bailey in there. Uh, Bailey was was very wide. Coutinho was very wide on the left-hand side when we started. So I do think there was an element of experimentation that maybe didn't work at the first half. Now, Saying that, if Tim Krul doesn't get a hand to Bailey shot that comes off, yeah, the that could have changed his season. Be, um, it feels like it could have changed his season. Ings might not came on, but we could have gone on. Like Bailey could have gone on to have a, have a stormer. I think he's very much a confidence player. But Ings does come on, pings a pass with his very Danny first pings. touch, 
and absolutely like it, and and then we get a goal. Our two goals were fortuitous, but I think our overall play was was decent. I think it was good. You could see partnerships developing. I thought Chambers and Mings were still too far apart for my liking. Our fullbacks were probably still too too high up, but I thought McGinn had had one of his best games in a long time. I thought young young Tim went came in and did pretty decent. Um, Jacob Ramsey was good. Probably if I had to point the finger and say that, like everybody says, Leon Bailey, get him in the bin, whatever. He's no. he got injured again, whatever. I, I'm not, I'm still not on that bandwagon because for me, the the player I thought that kind of just nothing went right for me. Didn't really do much in the game was Coutinho, and, and that's not saying that I don't want to sign him. But when that is the player that we know can turn it on, because we've seen some fantastic performances. When he's the only player that yeah. didn't really, I expected play. him to run Roy against Norwich. But I, but I was happy. I was I was I was okay with with that because I wanted to see more from Ings and Watkins as you said together. I wanted to see more from our back four, and I wanted to see more from our midfield setup. So like uh, Coutinho is the is you know he's the 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 cherry on top. But yeah, it, he didn't. He, he was played out wide an awful lot in the first half, um, and Bailey was out was out wide the 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 other side. And uh, then, he, then he went more essential when, when uh, Ings came on. But I think he still starts against Burnley. You know, we need to get another tune out of him between now and the end of the season because uh, he's had three or four games now that have been, like, like I suppose Spurs was good for one half. He's had a couple of games there that were a bit ropey. But I think a lot of it is to do with, we, we just don't get the ball to him an awful lot. We went down the wings in this game an awful lot. And it was when Bundia comes on, I think Bundia can work those channels a small bit better than Coutinho can. And uh, uh, but yeah, look, as I say, I'm, I'm not saying don't sign him or anything, he's bloody Philippe Coutinho. Mm. But if the money's there, sign him. But I just think we need to find a way to, to work him into the game plan a bit more. I actually think in finding a solution to one problem, Villa created another problem in the midfield because I was all for Erog when I'm starting. I, I called it last week, I said I thought he might, and he ended up starting a game. And you know, at that stage of the season, if he's not getting a start against Norwich at home, I can't remember if I said this to you or not. Yeah. And is, is, yeah. is, is he ever going to get a start? And, and he started and he did okay. You know, I think he grew into the game towards the end of the first half. He was getting involved a bit more. I liked that he had size. I think we've needed a bit of that in midfield at times. But in then not playing Louise, there was no passer in the midfield. So that meant that Coutinho wasn't getting the ball. And that created a new problem for, for this side because you want to get Coutinho on the ball, especially when he moves into, into the middle of the park and he's playing behind two strikers. Greg actually, Greg on the, the other podcast, the Villa podcast, I said 74, Greg says that Ings, Watkins and Coutinho is Villa's best front three because he points to the fact that Watkins is the top scorer with nine. Ings is, has got six assists and he's our top assister. And then you've got Coutinho, who's Coutinho. So he actually thinks that that's Villa's best front three. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I don't disagree at all, at all. And I think that, um, I think the point that you made there with uh, shoring up midfield with, with with young Tim and taking out maybe probably our, our only pivot player in Luis, who, yes, he isn't the greatest in defence, but, but he you know, pass. he's um, he can pass the ball. Yeah, I don't have the statistics. I meant to look it up, but I would go so far as to say that, that he has probably a better pass success rate than the other two midfielders in there, McGinn and, and Ramsey over the course of the season. And that means a lot because, as I say, it's uh, you need that metronome inside there. And look, Tim Tim will probably end up being that way. You can see he's got good feet. You can see he's, he's comfortable enough with the ball, but he made some one or two decent tackles, more than decent. He made one brilliant tackle from just came from, not from behind, but he, he came around, I think it was Lee's Malou or whatever his name is, yeah, well and pronounced. took the ball off him. It was very well, uh, he, he did well, but happy, very happy with Tim. Um, uh, don't know, will we see him in an away game against Burnley? We may do, 
But I think we'll see Douglas Louise. Uh, I think we might see Douglas Louise back in the team. Um, somewhere, maybe not in the sixth role, but we might see him in there because I think that Jared is primed for for experimentation again over the last five games. Yeah, and we saw Chambers come back in for concert as well last week. I was a little bit surprised that it came off the back of a clean sheet because I think you know a few people have been saying Chambers was unlucky to lose his place. I would I would agree with that. I thought concert had an iffy game to be kind against Spurs, but off the back of a clean sheet, I was surprised to see Chambers come in for concert. Do you think Chambers now sees out the season? I think you probably have to see what you got in him. Um, if anything else, it's like like I wonder does does Jared look at him and say, you know, this it's going to be a, probably a, a dirty comment to make, but you know, we got to recoup money somewhere, you know, over the course of the off season. I don't and think him and the ways will be here next season. Is my inkling. Who Kanza and Kanza and the I don't think they'll be here next season. And, and and I you know I wonder is he looking at it to see do I have something in Chambers here who could who could be somebody who could be a long-term maybe squad player, come in and play with Mings. Um, I, I'm not saying that, that Kanza will leave during during the, the off-season, but uh, I do think that he'll, he'll take a long, hard look at the centre-halves and, and it's no harm looking and seeing what partnerships are like. And, uh, and and maybe if somebody becomes expendable from the point of view of, okay, if somebody offered us 35, 40 million for him, I don't know what he's worth, to be honest with you. I couldn't sure. tell you what he's worth. I would have said we might have stood a chance of getting that last season. I would think his stock's probably fallen a little bit this season. He hasn't 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 reached yeah. the standards of last season, let's be fair. No, and, and I wonder, do we rate him higher than other teams rate him? You know, and that often happens when, when you're a mid-table team, that you rate somebody a lot higher than other teams. And then maybe sometimes they end up staying with you for that bit too long, and then they become a kind of a, new, a burden uh, to you. But... Uh, look, I'm completely spitballing here. I think he probably continue to play Chambers because he needs to find out what his best partnership is. And that's what I mean. I think Ings and Watkins are going to start because I think he's going to start looking with the experimentation. He's going to start looking for partnerships for the last five games and, and try and work on certain ones, namely being the two center halves, because I'd say statistically, we've had our best performances with them uh, over the four games that they've played together. And then he probably wants to work on the Ings and Watkins piece, which, which both I think have recently admitted it hasn't, clicked as fast as they were but like it but they are working really hard on it yeah I think I think there was a few guys we won a few guys playing with them two up top I do, I do think it was starting to come together a little bit I, can't, I think he, did Ings miss a game because of um because his partner gave birth so yes and then he, he's been in and out since then but I think before that they were looking like a decent partnership you can say they chat to each other a lot through games I, I feel like that partnership it's not from the want of trying that that hasn't really worked so far this season I agree um, I agree it isn't for the want, want of trying. I think it's about just a um, new manager comes in mid-season and I think that he wasn't sure where they wanted to play two tens, two nines and Watkins was playing as a, te- as a 10 at one stage, you know, a bit more withdrawn uh, where we would expect him to be a bit further forward. And I think it was just about nailing down um, I suppose, uh, terms of engagement for the two of them and how they would go about their roles within the team. I don't think it was a problem that they couldn't play together, but I think maybe they were playing too similarly. And there was times when we would come on and we would talk about the front four uh, as it would be, because Ramsey would have been a bit further forward, or all in, you know, you could throw a blanket over all four of them. And I think that just comes from maybe where somebody naturally wants to deviate, where, where they would naturally want to travel into, 
and Coutinho didn't make that easier. But I think over time, um, you know, they will they'll begin to learn from each other and learn who's going to pull deeper, who's going to stay further left, who's going to stay stay more central. And and it's just it's it's all about you know getting that chemistry together. Just like you mentioned, uh, that the two lads are continually talking to each other in the field. I thought Chambers did a lot of talking at the weekend. Chambers and Mings very, are very much the same. That I feel like they have more chat yeah, through the games. Than very barky, aren't they? Yeah, yeah which is good. Yeah, yeah, much more so than Kanza. Well, actually, sorry, I can't say that because I, I haven't seen Kanza play in the flesh. No, I would, but, I would say that's probably um, true. I, I, I thought that uh, I was not, Chambers was notably vocal, I thought, um, at the weekend, which is good because you need both your centre halves yeah. at least dictating somewhere along the lines. I mean, I think Villa are a better side with Danny Ings in, in a lot of ways. I think he works very hard. I think his link-up play is very good. I think that's something a facet that's quite, that's quite underrated. I also think when you're defending and you lose the ball and you're in transition, it's quite often him that would he would drop back in against Norwich rather than Coutinho. He'd be the one busting the gut to get back in and be the extra man in, in the midfield to try and try and stop things at source. I actually think Ings offers a lot to the team. So people would say, well, if we're playing one up front, then why don't we play Ings? But then I think when you don't play Watkins, we're very one-paced. I don't think there's enough pace in the side at all. So you've got to try and get something out of them too now that... I'd, I'd want them to both around next season, if, even if we were to sign a striker. So would I. So would I. It gives you options. And one of the areas we, we thought we had options in at the start of the season with having Bertrand Traore and Leon Bailey and, you know, injuries coming to bite you in different ways. And, you know, with our young players coming up, I don't think Louis Barry is going to be ready to be a third striker next season. No. I could be wrong. Archer could, could be. be absolutely wrong. I think Archer could be, yeah, maybe a third slash fourth striker. But I think you're going to need four because you're going to need to change it up and swap it around. And how many times have we played different formations this season? Teams get really lucky, specifically mid, mid-table mid teams. They get really lucky when they go on runs and they stick to their guns. And and, and what formations is probably the wrong thing to say there. But I suppose if you're looking to freshen things up, you can either change formation or you can change personnel. And uh, I suppose it, it just comes down to if Steven Jared wants to implement his formation, he needs to have the personnel to be able to bring in to change it up. And at the moment, we don't have anyone other than Ings and Watkins. And if one of them is carrying an injury, you don't want to start both of them, take one off and have to change your shape. You'd probably change your shape to start working it all week and then bring the other guy on if needs be. So we're kind of, if you'd excuse the term, we've been kind of hamstrung from um, from, from that point of view over the course of the season because we've left ourselves short of, of attacking options, of striking options specifically. And then because of that, we've had to, We've had to basically just uh, start a pot then afterwards and, and change our formation. So um, I think we need another striker anyway. But you know, I'm off oh, we'll two one. guys. But once again, I think if we keep, if we even if we do keep the two guys and Archer comes back, I think we need a stable of four for sure. But I once again, it comes back to balance in the books, and we're going to need to bring money in this summer, and we just will. And if one of those guys goes, and we bring in two two people, maybe one lesser known striker that fits the system, I'm okay because I'm very much of the opinion that. Just because there's somebody out there that everybody loves doesn't mean he's the only player who can come in and play for this club. And that's where the scouts and Johan Lang and, and all those guys, that's where they make their money. So, um, you know, the process needs to needs to be trusted in that aspect as well. I'm confident that the, the core of this side will change in the summer because I think Gerard will want to bring in his own centre-back. I think mm. also everyone knows we want a number six and have done for some time, but haven't found the right one potentially, which is why we haven't done it. 
another midfielder, central midfielder through the door would not surprise me one bit. And then I think Gerard will want his own striker as well. So I think you will see the core of Villa fundamentally change over the summer and it'll be a very different different makeup from a Villa team and you'll see more of a Steven Gerrard side ne- next season. So like you say, these little auditions that he's given players at the moment, he wants to take a look and, and see what they're about because I know the club will, will plan to be active and I think there'll be at least four coming in the summer. Let's just look ahead to our upcoming fixtures. Only five games that we've got left now for the Villa boys to play to see out the season. So, of course, that game Burnley on Saturday at Turf Moor. Big one against Liverpool on Tuesday at Villa Park, eight o'clock kickoff. Oh my God, am I scared of that game? Yes, I am. Liverpool are the best team on the planet. Then Palace at home on Sunday, the 15th of May. That's a two o'clock kickoff. Then the familiar sides of Burnley coming to Villa Park on Thursday, the 19th of May. And then Villa, of course, finish with Manchester City away, which could be, you know, the title could the title race could still be active at that stage. So Villa could play a part in the title race. Neil, give me a prediction, and I think you sound a bit more confident than me. Give, give me a prediction for Saturday. I think that it'll be an RV one, but I think we'll win. Uh, I think we're a better team. Um, I'm going to go with 2-1 Aston Villa, and I think that I think we'll go to a 2-0 lead. Burnley will bring it back and make it an RV first at the end. I'd probably go for a two-all draw if Jay Rodriguez was fit, but he's injured. Oh, yeah, he, he just loves, loves a goal. Against us. Loves a goal, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna so g- I, I think I just think I just think while their midfield is their midfield is workmanlike, it's it's no getting Westwood. up there in age and there's no Westwood. I'll tell you what, Josh Jack Brown Clark has done really well. Yeah, yeah. Really so is, so is Cork. Yeah. Um and and look, my favorite one of my favorite defenders in the whole of the Premier League, and I'm biased because I'm Irish and I called it about three years um, ago. I said this guy. You called it when we played Nathan, when we played Stoke last season, I remember. Nathan Collins yeah. is just a gem. And if Burnley do go down and Gerard wants a fourth, a fourth defender. Get him in. He's brilliant. He's just really, really good. Watch him have a ricket weekend now. After I said okay. it, but he's just brilliant. I really like. I've when he played with with, with Ireland's under 18s and up through Ireland's under 21s, he was just like the standout player from centre half. And uh, uh, yeah, so he, he, I'm a big fan of his. He, fan. He's in my fantasy football team, and every time I put him on a bench, he gets something ridiculous, like 14 points, and ends up scoring and giving a clean sheet. Whenever I play him, he just gets one. So maybe I'll make sure that I play him this weekend, so he just picks up the standard one point, and hopefully that will be a good thing for Villa. I'm going to go 1-1. Yeah, it's a tentative 1-1 as well, because I, I think Burnley are away. I think that's a tough proposition at the moment. Diff- difficult game. They're on a good run. They've got some momentum. It's difficult to see where Villa lie at the moment, even though they've had a good last two games. I'm still not sure about the momentum factor so i'll go for a tentative one one thanks ever so much to neil for joining me today and thanks to luke roper as well for continuing to sponsor us if you use that code tvv20 you'll get 20 percent off everything including sale items so do use that code if you fancy treating yourself on the luke roper website a bit lax with the post-match point last week due to bank holiday shenanigans but we will be back with the post-match point at some point after the burnley game so we'll let you know when that is enjoy the weekend have a safe trip to turf more if you are going and up the villa sports social podcast network